started, I, uh, I want to welcome everybody to our very first episode of Unleashed. Uh, Unleashed is, uh, is intended to be a weekly show that's going to feature top thought leaders, uh, tools, strategies, and ideas for you to unleash the potential in yourself and the potential in your business. And I, uh, you know, I mentioned the, our goal is not only to bring thought-provoking uh, ideas and topics, but it's also to bring you incredible speakers and thought leaders. And as the weeks progress, you'll know if we're struggling for speakers. Uh, if, uh, if my neighbor Larry starts showing up to talk about how he gets his garden so uh, so uh, so green and lush, uh, so we'll try to avoid my uh, my neighbor Larry at all costs. So those of you that don't know me, I'm your host Jeff Pest. I'm the CEO of a company called Result. Our company, in the best of times, is yeah, filled with people that are curious about potential. So what separates really successful companies from their competitors? What separates highly successful leaders from their counterparts? And just trying to distill the essence of their behaviors and habits and tools and strategies that they use so we can sort of then consolidate those and provide it to ambitious growth-minded leaders in a way that they can actually incorporate those into their own companies. And so when this crisis hits, just like everybody else, we've been racking our brains trying to figure out how can we pivot. And this is one of the ideas that we came up with. And our team has been incredible. The idea generation has been phenomenal. And we thought, you know what, we're, we're, we're always curious and focused about uh, and very purposeful and intentional about people's potential. So what if we could just open that up to the world uh, and uh, and start doing a weekly uh, webinar series like this? So this is how Unleashed was born, just great ideas from our, uh, our whole team. So we hope that we're going to be a regular fixture in everybody's weekly learning activities, and we hope that you're all scheduling time for learning and personal growth through the chaos of what's happening right now. So every Thursday at 10 in the morning, you can count on us uh, to be here uh, for you. So today's focus is leading in turbulent times, and uh, apparently there's some turbulence out there. I've been locked in my house for the last month, so not really sure uh, what's happening out there. Uh, of course, I'm kidding. Uh, but we're very, very uh, blessed today uh, for us to welcome my co-host, first of all, Barbara Reppert. Say hi, Barbara. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Barb is one of my colleagues at Result, and she's a business execution specialist. She's a CPA by, uh, by training. And she's worked in several senior leadership positions in mid to large size firms, uh, some manufacturing experience uh, as an example. She's also a certified coach, so she's a wonderful coach. And uh, she's been a business execution specialist on our team for a few years now, leading executive teams through strategy and execution. And we're delighted to kick the first episode off with our special guest today, John Spence, known on uh, Twitter circles as Awesomely Simple. John is a longtime friend of ours. He's one of North America's top-rated thought leaders. Uh, he was a CEO of the Rockefeller Foundation in his early 20s, just a few years ago. And uh, he's a voracious learner and reader. He reads more books than anybody I've ever met. I think, John, what do you read a year? 300 books? What are you asking? <laughs> I'm not quite about 100, 120, uh, okay, so all the way back to 89. So. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. So, <laughs> John, we're so uh, we're so delighted to have you here today, and uh, let's start talking about leadership in turbulent times and what we can do to, to lead and manage effectively, not just for uh, uh, for our people, but for ourselves. So uh, over to you. Cool. Uh, welcome everybody. Uh, thank
thank you so much for spending part of your morning with us. And a uh, special shout out to Jeff Clark. Hope you're doing good, man. Uh, so here, get a piece of paper out. We are recording this, but there, I'm going to try to overwhelm you with good practical information. Uh, the first thing I want to do is give you a tool to do immediately after we get off this webinar. And here's what it is. I want you to get two pieces of paper. And on piece of paper number one, I want you to write down, give this serious thought, very serious thought, what are the things I can control right now? The things I can control, influence, or impact right now. That's not a very long list, and I'm going to go over five big ones for you in just a minute. But everything you can control. And then I want you to take massive action on that list. That should be the focus of your, of your attention all the time. On the other piece of paper, and again, I want you to be very thoughtful about this. And this one's going to take a little bit longer because it's a much longer list. Is what's everything you do not have control over right now? Uh, and I can start that list off for you. You don't have control over the virus, over the quarantine, uh, over economics, over the government, and on and on and on and on and on and on. And that's going to be a long list. And those are the things that are causing stress and anxiety and overwhelm for you, your family, your customers. And I want you to look at that list. And every time you start obsessing on something on that list, push it away, look at it, and go look at your list of things you can't control and put all your focus back on that. Uh, this sounds very simplistic. If you take the time to write those out and study them carefully and look at them often, it will help you keep, it will help keep you focused on the areas that you can, you're empowered in. You can take some control over. So that's something to start this off. Um, I was a consultant uh, during 9-11 uh, and during the Great Recession. And when those things happened, I, I saw two sides of both of those events. And I'm seeing the exact same thing right now. Uh, the business side of it, what are the things you can control and focus on your business, and then the emotional side. So I'm going to talk about those two, and then I'm going to finish off with how to lead in those two areas. So uh, when I look at my clients right now and, and in their past events, uh, I gave them this advice. Uh, number one, I've got a list here to make sure I get everything just right. Um, now is the time to take amazing care of your employees, especially your best employees. I hope that none of you have to let anybody go. I'm going to really hope that. But if you, all of us have in our companies people that are like them, people that really hold up you know, a, an unequal amount of the weight in the company, uh, but you want to let everybody know you appreciate them, you're glad they're on your team, um, you're, they're important to your company, they're important to helping your company not just survive this, but thrive after it. So take great, great care of your people. Give them all the resources, training, help, support, everything you possibly can to keep them engaged and doing good work. Um, and I'm going to get to that one in a minute. Part of that, number two, is to keep the momentum up, keep the, the uh, motivation up, is celebrate wins. Celebrate wins if they're big, small, medium. Anytime something good happens, send out a note, send a text, get on a Zoom call. Um, call that person up that did it and, and tell them how great they are and how much you appreciate it. Um, the research shows, and in my experience too, that in a, in a great winning culture, people need praise about once every seven to 10 days. I mean, key, key idea here, genuine, specific praise. Not just, hey, you're doing a great job. It's gonna be, thank you very much for doing this specific thing. You did it well for these reasons, and I really appreciate you. Before all of this, it was every seven to 10 days. I would say now to keep the motivation and the momentum going up, it's probably every day you need to find something that went right to celebrate it to show folks that you're moving in the right direction. 
and Jeff and Barb, if you want to jump at any time, just raise your hand and I'll, I'll go to you guys. Um, number three is this is the time now for your company to, bring, to put out the best work they've ever done. I mean, the highest quality products and services you can possibly imagine in the history of your company. Uh, people are going to recognize, well, put it this way. If you do great work, if you do this sort of stuff, they're going to understand that you're indispensable, that you're an important part of, of their life if you're B2C or their business if you're B2B. But the way to win that right now is magnificent quality. So double, triple down on making sure that everything you do is the best it's ever been. Uh, there's a great Steve Martin quote I love for this. Be so good they can't ignore you. But that's the goal right now. Um, the next one is get closer to your customer than you ever have been before. Check in with them, talk to them, uh, see where they are. I've got one client and I love what he did. He's a, he's a B2B. He sent them uh, four questions. He's actually, I take it back, picked up the phone and called all 181 of their top clients. Uh, and he asked them four questions. Number one, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's your family doing? How are you holding up? Number two was on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being awesome and one being horrible, where do you see your company over the next one to three months? And then the next one is where do you see, same thing, one to 10, where do you see your company in the next year? Uh, and it was pretty startling. Some of them were nines and tens. They still were gonna do business. They were spending money. Their companies, there are many companies right now are doing better than they've ever done before. They're the busiest they've ever been. For most of us, that's not the way it's going right now. We're all, all of us are struggling, pivoting, trying to figure out how to, to do, you know, keep our current customers, let alone try to bring in new customers. So, and then the last question he asked was, what can we do to help you now? What would be the most important thing? So how are you doing your family? So that's a personal, genuine concern. Uh, how do you see your business in the next 60, 90 days? And how do you see your business over the next year? And then they use that to figure out how much help they needed and you know what they needed to do to support their customers. So that was that one. You go, oh, oh. Yeah, sorry, just before you move on, because it's a real common question um, that we're getting now, is there's a lot of noise, right? Everybody's online, everybody's hitting, hitting, hitting. So totally agree with how do we get closer to our customers, but also hearing a lot of people just going, how do I differentiate in the noise? How do I not sound like everybody else? Can you help us with that? Yeah, you should know your customers well enough that you can customize that message. You can Fair. make it relevant to them. And here's the thing, you want, you want to be adding so much value that people can't wait to open up your emails. That as soon as they see it, they know you're not wasting their time, you're not trying to just sell, you're not giving them as, as much as it's nice, I'm not another report on how to deal with COVID or how to deal with remote working, which is all nice, but I've only got 700 of them today. Uh, so it's gotta be you know, an email or a message that shows genuine concern, highly customized, I understand you, I understand your emotions, and it's gotta add a ton of value. Because if you don't do that in connecting with them, then they're not gonna open up the next email, or they're not gonna take the next call. So, and so it's, it's okay. gotta be positioned right now as a trusted advisor, as a partner, as a peer, uh, in business to business, in business to consumer, you've gotta position yourself as someone that wants to remain as part of their life, that wants to be a product or a service they continue to use, and focus in the areas where you impact them and try to be highly customized there and add a ton of value every time they open to you. 
Do you, either one of you have something else to add to that or was I pretty quick? Yeah, that's good, John. You know what, I'll share, I'll share some of the process and thought that got into to how we're operating right now. And and, uh, and, I, and I will say that the hard, if, if things were hard before COVID hit, they're exponentially harder now. So if you, if you didn't have really deep, meaningful, connected relationships, trusted advisor relationships with your customers before, you're, you're kind of, you're starting way behind. Uh, and, and so I, I, I will say that picking up the phone is a really important piece right now to get to know people. And I, I'm finding surprisingly, even though you think people don't have any time, people are happy to connect, they're happy to talk, and, and they're happy to have genuine conversations if they authentically believe that you care. The other part that, that we're talking about, even with this webinar, we thought, geez, the webinar space right now is really crowded. So how can we make it different? And our, our initial comment was, well, I think that we have a relationship with our community where they're gonna listen to something that we have to say. And, and if, they're, if we're lucky enough that the people sign in for this, we have to make it incredibly useful so they come back again. And then they tell everybody that they know how awesome this one hour was uh, so that that community is gonna grow. And we have to be prepared to even just be in the game knowing that we're gonna fail. So every time we start something new, we're gonna learn something new, right? And so this webinar we think is gonna lead to other ideas, to other insights, to other learnings, see where some of the pain points are, where some of the patterns and the themes are in the communities that we serve so that we can continue to curate uh, uh, some offerings. And then the third thing I would say that, that we're trying to encourage not just ourselves, but our community to do, this is a time to express your unique voice. We all have those crazy ideas at three in the morning that we never tried. Now is the time not only to try them, but we're actually seeing people try them. And the world resonates with authenticity. And so if you've got an idea that you genuinely think in your heart is going to help, find a way to get that out to the market and just see if a few people will pay attention. Love it, love it. We're actually going to touch on a little bit of that later, so thanks for teeing that up. Um, sorry, Clark, go ahead. Sorry, John, I, I just, just because we had a, a question come in, and it's right in this section, if you don't mind, I'm just going to read it to you. But it was about how do we approach customers, or in this case donors, when the nature of your business means you have to shut down completely completely and will likely be shut down for months. So again, building those relationships when they can't see you maybe, or they can't participate with you. Um, I think it still matches to what you're saying, but would you add anything else to this, um, to Chantel? Yeah, so the, the key idea here is you don't wanna go dark. Um, just because you, you're shut down completely or you might be shut down for 60, 90 days or longer, you still want to stay, and I don't think you can stay top of mind right now. There's, there's too many other things going on. But I think you need to keep communication, again, and, and Jeff said it real well, that's authentic and valuable. And talk about when you come back, and we can't wait to see you, and we're looking forward to this, and here's some new things we're going to be doing when we reopen. Uh, and again, not bombarding, because you said people are getting wiped out, but and like Jeff said, think of a really unique, special, authentic way to stay in touch with them and let them know that as soon as this goes, we're gonna go on with you from a fundraising standpoint to decide to do that. We're gonna have events again, or we're gonna, you know, we're gonna try new events, maybe where we don't put a thousand people in one place, and we look, we, we want your ideas. How can you help us figure out how to raise more money? Because every nonprofit right now that uses events is, uh, or any business that people gather is shut down, so ask your customer. What are your best ideas? How do you think we can raise more money? What would you like to see us do when we reopen? 
That's great, Joe. I mean, I happen to know that Chantel's in the sort of the performing arts sort of space, and it reminds me of the importance of connecting to our why. So why do our customers, why do our donors, why do our stakeholders, why do they consume what we have to offer? Why do they engage with us in the first place? It's some kind of an emotional connection, and we can still figure out a way to deliver some kind of an emotional connection, teaching people how a symphony orchestra gets gets assembled, having online performances. You know, the gym industry and fitness industry was quick to pivot to offer online training and online courses, right? So they're staying engaged with their stakeholders that way, but I think connecting to your why is helpful. I also have to remind everybody, if you have questions, put them in the Q&A box, not the chat box, because we'll be left for answering the questions from the Q&A box. Cool, so let's go back. We did take great care of your employees, celebrate big and small wins, get closer to your customers than you ever have before, and there was one more. Which one did I get? Best work. Now is the time to do, I had to go look at my notes. Now is the time to do the best work you've ever done. Number five, focus on your financials, but don't go paranoid. Now is the time to look at your financials before you get in serious financial trouble and make the tough decisions before you get emotional. What I don't want you to do is all of a sudden wake up one day and look at it and do a knee-jerk reaction and make a big decision that's going to have a long-term impact without really thinking it through. So now is the time to study that stuff, look at it, and while you're calm and rational, create some red flags. If this number gets to here, we're going to have to make this decision. If this number goes just sideways this way, we're going to have to do this. It's a little bit of scenario planning, basically. But a lot of people now, and I've got some clients that just are obsessed, they'll look at their numbers three or four times a day. They're checking everything. And their focus is not on doing great work and taking care of their customers and taking care of their people. Their focus is on not losing money or not going out of business. But I can tell you this, if you don't focus on the other things, I can pretty much tell you where your numbers are going to be. So focus on those other things. Keep an eye on the financials. Now, I want to switch a little bit to the emotional side of this. And this is not an area I typically focus on, but I found recently that this has been extremely helpful to people. And part of it is I have almost zero EQ, which we've talked about a little while, emotional quotient. So I have a hard time connecting with emotions of other people. So these two things I'm going to teach you is helping me understand what's going on with other people. So the first thing I want to talk about is that when people are faced with what they perceive as negative change, and this is negative change, they go through a cycle. And it's actually the same cycle that people go through when someone close to them dies. It's a grieving cycle. And right now people are grieving the loss of their normalcy. They're grieving potential damage to their business. They're grieving that they have to stay home with their family for the next month, whatever it might be. But they actually are going through a severe emotional distress, just like someone close to them passed away. So you've got to keep that in mind. This is not a small deal. I'll also add here that during 9-11, I was working at several different companies, and it was fascinating that some people, in my opinion, overreacted dramatically to the event. They didn't know when they were in power, no one knew died. I mean, it was scary and it was bad. But I looked at them and went, this is way out of proportion for this individual, in my opinion. What I came to learn later was is they had all kinds of other emotional baggage, problems, issues, anxiety, stress. And when something like that came along, it bubbled up and then just exploded. 
So you're going to see some folks that are really, really emotionally uh, stressed because they had all this other stress before we got here. So let's talk about the cycle. Um, the cycle begins in stability. And this is amazing because we had stability about a month ago, a month and a half ago. You know, I mean, business was pretty much, or let's say a few months ago, business was pretty much normal. And then all of a sudden, bam, this hit, and which is why this makes it so hard is this happened so suddenly. It wasn't like we saw a recession coming and we, we could prepare for it and make some moves out front. It's just one day things are fine, the next week you're locked in your house, pretty much. Uh, so it came on suddenly, which is why the first stage is immobilization. People just stop dead in their tracks. They don't know what to do. They're overwhelmed. Uh, they're deer in the headlights. They just, they can't move. And as I go through these, what I want you to do is think about the people in your company, think about your customers, think about your family, and think about yourself. So stage one is immobilization. I just, I don't know what to do. Stage two then is denial. And we've got a lot of people in denial now that, you know, this doesn't, it's going to be gone in a couple of weeks. And, you know, we'll be back. My business will be fine in 60 days. We'll be back, no problem. Or, you know, this isn't going to impact me. It might impact other people. They deny what's going on. Well, we still have a lot of people there. After you realize that you can't deny it, you get angry. It spikes way up to anger. Uh, and, and again, if you've got a bunch of emotional baggage, this anger can become very, very strong. And you get angry at some of the things I just said, the economy, the government, the virus, your, you know, your customers, your family, whatever it might be, and that anger can become overwhelming. After you get through that anger a little bit and you realize things aren't going to change today, it's not going to get better right away, people spiral out of control into depression. And I want to, I want to urge you to look for the signs of people who aren't uh, communicating as much, who seem you know, sad all the time, they have a very pessimistic attitude, and, and get them to uh, a mental health counselor. As a uh, business owner, you owe it to your employees, and you're going to be able to tell when they're not the way they usually are, and they're, they're, you can see, you might want to do some research on the signs of depression uh, for yourself, for your family, but a lot of people are going to hit that, and they're going to stay there for quite a while. Um, after depression, and oh, by the way, people can go back and forth in this. You can be depressed, and then, is that you raising your hand, Jeff, or just putting it next to the camera, okay? You can be depressed, then go back up to anger, and go back to denial, and then go back. So it isn't just move on sequentially. You can go back and forth. So after we get out of depression, we get to testing. And personally, I, I don't think we're going to get in, into serious testing for quite a while of going back to the movie theater, going back to the restaurant, or everybody coming back to the office. And I, I believe, personally, it's never going to be the way it was before. Now that a lot of us are virtually working virtually from home and other stuff, I've got many clients that say, probably 40% 40, 40 of my workforce is not coming back to the office. Mm -hmm. Just, they do great work at home. There was no reason for them to be here. Well, I'm doing a lot of CEO coaching. One of the CEOs, I asked him what his best advice was. He said, I will never buy a building again for tons of people. I'm gonna figure out, can we do flexible work? So I think there's gonna be a lot of changes in the way that we test and go until we get to, I hate to think, the new normal. And once we get to the new normal, people will accept that, and they'll test it again and get it, and then eventually get back in stability again. So those are the processes that people go through, and they, they will be outsized. They will be significant. They will be painful. But yeah, so so totally agree with you, John. Actually, very interesting because I'm seeing those cycles, and and it's been very um, fascinating. I guess would be the appropriate word, but where you know I've had leaders that, like you said, there was the stability 
side where we saw or what we defined as leadership. And then what I've seen people go to is either this incredible resiliency where they've gone through that cycle, like you said, but really fast and they're on the other side. And then I have leaders that literally went to a fetal position and really coaching hard with them to help them. And and I really agree with your point. Often it's because there's a trigger that is something they've been carrying with them for a while. And that's why they're having that much trouble moving out. Any thoughts on like definitely the mental health, we can help with whatever. Um, For me, uh, you know, I think coaching has helped me for sure. I'd love to think that I'm helping all my clients, that you're helping your clients. Is there other things that you would suggest to help people though move through that cycle faster? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Actually, it was the next tool I'm gonna teach. Oh, sorry. Uh, Yeah, no, 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 no. you guys, you're doing great, just softballs for me, man, here you go. Um, Wait a minute, I'm trying to use a hockey analogy, but I don't know any, like, you've left the net empty? I made that up, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) All the people in Canada right now are going, oh, the guy's an idiot, he doesn't know anything. Under the ten percent, and then uh, one shift at a time. Those are pretty safe, uh, safe analogies to use, John, up here. Okay. So here is a four-step process, and I'm going to recommend the book that I learned this from. There's lots of places you could learn this sort of stuff, but the book is called "I Hear You." I hear you, mm-hmm. and it's an entire book on validation, on emotional validation. And I'm going to tell you that this is not a skill that I had three years ago. Uh, it's it's when I realized I was lacking it, and I've been studying it, trying to get better, but I realized right now it's a very powerful tool. So here it is. Step one, shut up. Just listen. Just, you know, listen with the genuine intent to understand. Don't interrupt. Don't defend. Don't argue. Just be quiet and listen to really deeply understand the emotions of the other person, what they're going through. After you've listened, step two then is to validate their emotions. Listen here even if you don't agree with it. Even if you say this is silly, they're, they're, this is blowing out of proportion, they're, they're obsessing about this, even if that's what you feel, you have to validate their emotions because that's how they see the world right now. And they mm-hmm. have every right to feel that way. Uh, and when you validate their emotions, uh, you just say something like, I can see, or, I've listened to you carefully, and I can see you're very frustrated. And that's only normal in a situation like this. There's a lot of stuff that's going on that's unfair and I think a lot of people are frustrated, so I understand why you feel that way. Or, um, I can, I, I'm depressed too. I mean, this is tough. A lot of our friends are going through tough stuff. Our family is, and you know, we need to work together and help each other out on this. But it's only normal, or it, you know, it, it's right for you to feel a little bit of depression. So it's it's saying you're okay. Your emotions are okay. You're allowed to feel this way. And the way I always put it, they have every right to feel the way they feel, even if you don't agree with it. That's a big big point. Step three then is to offer advice, not give them advice, <laughs> to offer advice. 90% of the time they're gonna accept the advice. Tell me, yes, I wanna hear, I wanna learn. 10% of the time they just wanna vent. And then 10% of the time their job is let them vent. And they just validate the emotion again. Let them vent, validate the emotion. Uh, and, and again, it's because you love them and you're supporting them and you're allowing them to have those emotions. You feel this way, that's okay. I'm gonna help you with it. So if they, do, if they do say, yes, I would like your advice, here's the way you don't want to do it. This is what you need to do. You should do this. You need to stop doing that. You need to change this. You want to back up, and a lot of this during, and this is a conflict resolution tool as well, is use what's called I statements. And the way this looks is, well, Jeff, I, I've listened to you carefully. I can see you're really angry, and you have every right to be. And the way I see it, from my point of view, 
One of the things that's helped me in the past is to do these four things. Do you think that might work for you? Not, Jeff, you need to do these four things and that's gonna <coughs> fix everything. Because a lot of us you know, that are leaders or, or that are high Ds are used to fixing stuff. And I think that's one of the especially frustrating things, right? How we can't fix this. Mm-hmm. And it, it's gonna run its own course. And for a lot of us, that, that makes us angry and frustrated. Well, it's the same thing when you tell somebody what to do. You need to do this. So back up with the ice cream. The way I see it, from my point of view, what I've seen in the past, um, what I hear is this. And you know, you notice I'm sort of being a little bit timid. Well, actually, what I'm doing is I'm being very assertive without being aggressive. I'm giving advice, but I want that person to own the advice. And here's a really tricky way to listen to this. I want them to tell me what I want them to hear. So instead of me saying, you need to do this, I want them to say, John, you know, I think I need to do this. And I go, that's a brilliant idea. How can I help you with that? Uh, and then John, the fourth and final, go ahead, Barb. Oh. Sorry, I was kind of giggling there in the sense that the, uh, yeah, I think you like me saying, I often say the, uh, don't let others should on you. <laughs> don't should on others. Yeah. And that's what you don't Very want. Very powerful. They've got mm-hmm. enough stress. They've got enough anxiety. Um, and you don't want to try to fix all the problems. You can't help them to fix their own. So we've gone through, we've listened without interrupting with a genuine intent to understand. I mean, really from your heart, I'm curious how this person feels. I want to know. Uh, I've validated the the emotions uh, uh, unequivocally. Boom, you got it. Number three, I've offered help. They've accepted it. I've used I statements. And then the fourth step is to validate their emotion again and then offer more help, you know, in the future. So, um, Jeff, we're both angry about this. It's been challenging for all of us, and it's it's rational for you to feel that way. And I hope that the things you and I discussed, that the ideas we came up with, are going to help you move through this. And if there's anything else I can do to support you in any way, you let me know I'm here for you. So that's the model. Um, it takes practice. For someone like me with a low EQ, um, I have to use that framework. I have to walk through it because it doesn't come naturally to me. This isn't a skill I have naturally. But this is great for your family, for your employees, and then the, the scale is good for you to realize where you are on this. So let me stop there. Do either one of you have a question, or is there anything coming in? Well, yeah, actually, I was going to say there's a comment here from Robin, um, which I thought was really interesting. So I don't know if everybody can see it, so I'm going to read it. Um, I apologize if you can't see it. Follow along. But it says, not a question, but a comment. I think it's more than grieving for some. It's repeated trauma. So what we're saying is that baggage along the way, right? So in trauma-informed models of care, people disengage from their feelings, trudge through each day, then once it's over, they'll start to process their feelings and that has happened. My point is that some people numb out for a while. And so so I think that's really uh, valid, Robin, and, uh, and sort of aligns with what you're saying, John, is that we might be in a lot of different things. We don't know what's there for people, so how do we help them through? Yeah, and Robin, thank you, because the word trauma is one I should be using. And I've only been teaching this to other people for about a week now, 10 days, because of, of what happened. So in, the, in going forward, I'll use the word trauma, because that's exactly what it is. It's past trauma that now is being exacerbated and you know, uh, oversized that's adding to everything else. So thank you very much, Robin, for that comment. I appreciate it. So We have one from Justin that's a little bit off topic to where we are right now. So Justin, I just wanted to sh- put a shout out that we'll come back to it in the Q&A. We, we weren't ignoring you, sir. Okay, cool. go ahead, John. Cool. So we've talked about what I think are the, some of the things you can control right now around your employees and great work and your customers. We've talked about the emotional side of this, 
and how they go through the cycle and how to help them and support them through that. Now I want to bounce to uh, leading in a crisis. And leadership is something I've been studying. I've, I've been the owner CEO of four companies, uh, worked with hundreds of companies around the world, uh, and I've studied leadership for about 30 years, written a book on it, and I've seen it change during my career. When I came into the workforce, and I'm 56, when I came in in 1989, it was all command and control. Uh, when your boss said jump, it was how I started, how many times, and it was pretty much all white males. Uh, and that, that was part, partially brought over because a lot of those folks were World War II veterans or Vietnam veterans, and they had learned a lot from the military. Uh, but that style does not work. Now, I'm going to make a caveat here. That style works in cases of extreme emergency. 90% uh, of the time, you don't want to be command and control. If every now and then you got to say, get in the lifeboats, we've got to do this right now, I'm okay with that. But for the, the vast majority of times, that is not an, an acceptable style of leadership anymore. Then the pendulum swung, and I think we're seeing a little bit of this right now. It's fascinating as I'm explaining this, I'm seeing a parallel. Uh, to, le to leadership by spreadsheet. And for years, I worked in major corporations as a consultant and a trainer, and everything was numbers. It was, you know, we gotta shave this number, we gotta get, hit our number, we gotta reduce headcount. In other words, go out and fire a bunch of people because we need to make our numbers. I can't, can't imagine how many times I heard that. Reduce headcount to make our numbers. I, we harken back to what I said about your financials, don't run your business strictly by the numbers now. You need to keep an eye on them but I saw a lot of really bad decisions made in companies because they looked at the spreadsheet and looked at the number and equaled it out and said, okay, then we need to do this with no think, no strategic thinking and no emotional thinking to it. Mm -hmm. uh, now we sort of swung back to what's called servant leadership, which I think uh, the folks that we results and all of us are very, very happy. And that takes the normal leadership of the leader at the top of the pyramid with all the people underneath them and flips it upside down where it's the leader at the bottom supporting everybody else. And it's instead of saying, here's what I want you to do, they say, what can I do to support you? And I believe right now, and this was before pandemic, the people really need that now. They need a leader that supports them and takes care of them and empowers them and trusts them and loves them. Uh, and as a leader, it's your job to help people um, get through this in one piece and your company in one piece so that you can pick it back up when things go and hopefully it's if you talk about the hockey stick there, there's a Canadian reference excellent uh, so now we're back at servant leadership and I want to now focus on a minute what I see is three things you must do to be an effective leader in the future and then I'm going to go over and end with some fundamentals uh, I just did a TED talk on this and I think there's three quotients that every effective leader has to have now and going forward. The first one is IQ, but I'm not talking about your IQ number, what I'm really talking about here is competence. And I believe that for some folks, we actually have more downtime than we had before. You've got faster commute, you're not hanging out at other people's desks, um, and some of us find ourselves with a little bit of extra time. Uh, now is the time to focus on your skills. Watch a YouTube video, listen to a TED talk, read, a, you know, read for 15 or 20 minutes a day. Uh, you know, do listen to a podcast, go to a webinar like this, but invest in yourself and encourage all of your folks to invest in yourself to increase your IQ, which you actually can do. Uh, it, it, people hire, also, it can go lower if you spend too much time at half the level, we won't go into that. 
the next one is EQ, which is your emotional quotient, which I've mentioned several times. I don't have any, or I used to not have any. Uh, years ago, I took a test on EQ and on self-competitiveness. And a researcher came back to me and said, well, John, you've got the highest score we've ever seen on self-competitiveness. I'm like, yes, I'm number one. I said, you know, second, third. She's like, this is not what you want to be number one on. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, and then she said, and you also have one of the lowest scores you've ever seen on EQ. I was like, oh, who cares? So EQ to me is empathy and self-awareness put together. And that self-awareness is a big one now that, you know, what are my emotions? What am I feeling? How am I dealing with this? And then the empathy is how do other people feel about this and all that stuff. Here's what I've learned, and this is long before what we're in right now, that EQ is at, is actually more important than IQ. As long as you're competent, if you can't get along well with other people, connect with them, you cannot be an effective leader. Um, I do a workshop oftentimes where I, and I won't drive you through the whole thing, where I ask people to identify the characteristics of the best leader and the worst leader they've ever worked for and write those out, and then I say next to each one of those, I want you to write, is this an IQ issue? Is this about competence? Or is this EQ about behavior and emotion? Typically, it's seven to one EQ to IQ. So that's a big one. Now comes the one that is by far uh, the most relevant, and the one that all my clients are focused on, which is AQ, which is your adaptability or your agility quotient. And that's your ability, we, we talked about this a little bit, to take in lots of new information, new ideas, compared to the stuff I already know and all this new stuff, create new ideas from that, um, change your frame of reference, really be brutal at looking at your own mental biases and throwing away stuff that doesn't work, you know, the process. More, this is another good time to clean house a little bit on your processes, your systems, your procedures, but you have to be adaptable uh, and nimble enough to do it quickly and to understand when it's really necessary. It's not change for change's sake, it's change in areas that the market's driving and it will help your business get better. Uh, and you know, a lot of people say you need to embrace change or revel in change. I think right now you need to use your AQ to drive change in your organization. So there's uh, IQ, EQ, AQ. Anything you guys wanna add before I go to the fundamentals and we, we wrap this up for just Q&A? Yeah, I just I just wanted to ask about the juxtaposition between you know getting to market fast or having that agility really fast right now, and the you know I see three things. It's like the market's available. There's lots of things virtual. Get to it. Get going. Then then there's the um, there's a saying that I love that says that perfectionism is a serial killer. A serial killer because you won't even try the idea, right? So there's that piece. They're holding people back. And then if I go back to earlier what you said about, you know, let's do our best work, how do we find, how do we not get caught in that triangle, John, of the perfectionism, doing our best work, and then we just need to try and fail and see what's going to happen? What so, could you give us that agility? Very, very good uh, question. So part of it is, and it's a saying we have in our company, excellence, not perfection. I want to do great work, but nobody gets perfection. Trying to get to that is, you know, impossible, as you said, it's a, a form of insanity. So, but I do want to say that we want to, you know, double, triple check everything that goes out the door to make sure it's absolutely the best we can possibly do. That doesn't mean it's perfect. Now, the other side of that is, and I'm going to get on this pretty quickly. When you look at what it takes to become world-class at something, I read a book several years ago called the Cambridge Handbook of Expertise and Expert Performance. A 
thousand page book written by experts about how to become an expert. And so I'll save you the reading. There, there was four P's uh, to become world-class. And, and we're gonna take this and put it right on everyone's business. And I want you to think about this. Um, the first P was passion. That you've gotta be really, really good at what you do. You gotta love it, you gotta be, you know, it's gotta be something that, and for every entrepreneur, we go into this because we're passionate about building a business. You guys are passionate about helping companies, so am I. Other people are passionate about food service or whatever it might be. So passion is number one. Number two in expertise is persistence. Uh, and that is Malcolm Gladwell's book, 10 years or 10,000 hours. And you can't put that in now, but hopefully you put it in up to now. You've been working in your business, focusing on it in your area, your craft for seven, eight, nine, 10, 15, 30 years. <laughs> And you, you put in your time, which leads to the third P, which goes to what, uh, no, third P is practice, uh, which is constantly getting better and using a coach or a trainer or a colleague or a friend who will push you constantly to get better and better and better at what you're focusing on. Having someone from the outside encouraging you and making sure you're not working on the easy stuff you know how to do that you, that's done, now let's work on the hard stuff, the new stuff, the things you didn't know how to do to get better and better. So we have passion, persistence, deliberate practice, which leads to the fourth and final P, which hits it here, which is talent recognition. Mm. When you become really good at something and you understand it deeply, uh, you, you see a pattern that other people don't see. And I'm gonna try, Jeff, I'm trying as hard as I can here. I'm about to use another hockey analogy, which one would it be? Skate to where the puck's gonna be, not where it is. That's understanding the pattern of the game. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna get so many nasty Canadian emails. Actually, the Canadians don't send nasty emails in the US. Not a very good job, John, but you can try. So it's the ability, you know, it's, this is how a great musician can look at a piece of sheet music and hear the music in their head. Um, how chess grandmasters can see the whole board. How great athletes can see the whole field or whole rink. Um, it's how great business people get competitive advantage. So you asked about how do you change? How do you fail forward fast? You fail forward fast on the patterns you're seeing. Yeah. You, you, you take educated guesses, not just a guess and let's just throw it up, but let's just toss this up because here's five underlying factors that I've been watching and now that I'm studying and reading and I've got my AQ and I'm constantly adapting, now I'm gonna look for things I'm starting to see in the marketplace and patterns emerge and numbers change. So all of a sudden I'm gonna try something totally new, but not just completely as a guest, but a well-informed and well-thought-out guest that's based on pattern recognition. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's really good, John. You know, I, you're, you're making me think, you know, at the start of the conversation that you talked about the importance of leaning and staying close to our talented people and you know, for companies that haven't dealt with their talent situation prior to COVID, again, it's going to be uh, more challenging. But right now, more than ever, uh, you know, we know that a source of intrinsic motivation comes from autonomy. And I drive some of the people on our team crazy with this that are very, very process driven, and I'm not. But my philosophy right now with our with our companies is we have to let the horses out of the stable. We got to let thoroughbred run, and uh, but not just wildly. Um, we have to give people some criteria. And so some of the criteria that, that we give our team and our clients is that the actions and behaviors, of course, have to be well-intended, but they have to be aligned with our core purpose, which is unleashing people's potential. And 
balance, they have to be aligned with our promise to the market, which is really helping businesses uh, reach their potential. So those two things matter. And then we've given people some specific short-term criteria that they have to answer. And, and these questions that we're, that, we're, um, that we're asking ourselves is, first of all, is it impactful? So is your idea, do you think it has a chance to be highly impactful? Uh, is it cost-effective? Uh, is it easy to execute? And do you think, to the best of your knowledge, it's unique? So if it's a webinar, how will we make that webinar unique? Our answer so far is, is to bring in expert thought leaders like you. So no one wants to show up and look at me. Uh, well, they might show up for VAR, but we know for sure they'll show up for you, John. So, so, uh, uh, so that's sort of been some of the approaches that we're, um, that we're taking internally. Cool. Well, I think now is a good spot because I'm, I'm sure we have lots of Q&A and let's have a conversation. So I'll turn it over to you guys and some of the questions sure. we've got and we'll see if we can help specific problems for folks. Sure. And I, that sounds great, John. I want to remind people, so uh, put the questions in the Q&A box. Now, the other part, if we don't get to your questions, we want to encourage you to reach out to us uh, via email at info at unleashedresults.com. So info at unleashedresults.com. Tell us your questions. Tell us the stories of resourcefulness. Tell us the sources of inspiration right now. Tell us the tools and the habits uh, that you're leveraging with your team. We want, to, uh, we want to hear from you, and that'll inform some of the offerings that we put into the marketplace and some of the stories that we tell. So, Barb, I know I think you had a question. Yeah, no, um, I'll, I'll go into the questions to answer them there. The, um, the one thing, too, just because the talent is such a part of world class, and you guys were talking about it, the one thing is, too, this is probably a time where we're going to see a players displaced that normally doesn't happen. A players have choice. And right now in this market, people that are normally working and have lots of choices are happen to be sometimes on the market. So it's also a great time to acquire talent um, if you're looking to top grade your team. So really think about that. Um, John, I'll, I'll I'll one, let me oh, add sorry. another thing on that. I've heard this from a couple of my clients that told me this. And just think about this. People will remember both your employees and your customers for a long time after this, how you treated them right now. So if you're there to support your people and your talent to take care of them, if you're there to support your customers and love on them and help them, when this is all gone, they're gonna remember who the people were that really took care of them. Great comment, John. Okay, going out there, uh, Rob's description again, so the agility quotient. She just wanted you to say it one more time to make sure she really grasped it. And then Kevin, along the same lines, wants to know, is there a book specifically for that that you would suggest? Uh, wow, that's, well, first of all, it's the adaptability or agility quotient, and it's your ability to be nimble, fast, uh, change quickly, take in new information, get rid of old things, and that's basically the overview. I don't know of a book yet, and uh, I'm sure there's some out there. This came to me through my lovely wife, Sheila, who heard it on the Wharton Business Channel, uh, and I'm, I'm starting to research it a bunch now. I've pulled down a bunch of articles. There are good articles on the... Uh, on the internet, but I have not found a book. And if somebody does, please send, send it to me. Uh, my email is easy, john at johnspence.com. So if you've got a question or something to follow up for me, if you have recommendations on a two books, I'll take those. Great. Thank you, John. Jeff, did you want me to keep going here and you have something sure. to pick yeah. up? Cool. You guys, I, I wanna, I'm actually going to go to a question. So Lisa Dada has a really interesting question. And, uh, I was thinking this earlier uh, myself, is what if, you, if you're a mid-level manager and you're working for a leader, 
that either lacks the self-awareness or is displaying some of those curling up in the fetal position uh, um, behaviors that are not conducive to navigating successfully during this time. How do you approach uh, uh, someone that sort of might be above you on the org chart? This is a good question. It's a technique I use in all my coaching is rather than call them out on it, what I do is I send an article to everybody or a video to everybody and say, hey, this is important for all of us. We all need to look at this and we need to talk about it. And that way, if the leader or anyone else comes in, it's not you versus them, it's you and them talking about the article or the video. Um, I, right now, one of the things, and this is one of the difficult things you're gonna see in companies is, I saw during the recession that one of the biggest problems was a lack of courageous communication. Mm -hmm. People knew there were problems. They knew there were issues. They knew that they were financially, they were in trouble, but they didn't want to talk about it. I still see that now in companies. It's even more uh, of a, a challenge and a problem now. So uh, uh, there's a great video um, on uh, radical candor. And recently, one of the CEOs I was coaching, or I am coaching, I sent it to the entire executive management team, and they ended up sending it to the entire company. And we use that as a discussion point. So don't attack the person. Overwhelm them with good information under the auspices of I'm trying to help everyone. And let's have a let's have a conversation about this. Tricky works great. Yeah. Yeah, it is tricky. And I you know, I think the dynamic is even more challenging right now. There's always a sense of fear when approaching anyone for healthy conflict and giving them some courageous feedback, especially when it's somebody that might be more senior than you. Uh, but now uh, job security is just paramount even more so and it, it makes those uh, those conversations even even scarier so Lisa thanks for that uh, thanks for that question there's a lot of discussion about empathy as well I want to make people know uh, make people aware that uh, we've got a fantastic framework for if, if you're just sort of starting out on how do I do become more uh, and demonstrate more empathy uh, as a leader we've actually got some really uh, clear steps and some guidelines that you can follow just follow the script and you'll start to get better almost overnight. So just email us at info at lnhresults.com. We'll send it over to you. Barbie, I'm going to go to you for a question. Well, I was going to say, thank you. Well, Shauna posted an article on sort of that grieving process and the emotional intelligence. So thank you, Shauna. Shout out to you. Uh, we were talking about, there is some in here, John, that, that we talked about in regards to, you know, you're still leading virtually or we're still trying to catch with those team members. You know, if you had to give some, it's Katie saying basically, like, um, Oh, sorry, Katie, that wasn't you. That was Kim. The top three things you would say, right now, focus here. What are they? You're going to have to rephrase that question because I lost the, oh, the actual question at the very end. So uh, I'll read it verbatim, then I won't um, editorialize it. <laughs> As a new leader, starting virtually, what are top three things essential for success? So new leader and having no face-to-face, -face, virtual right away, what, what should Kim focus on? Over communication, or not over, but the highest level of communication you can get with your team without burdening them. Uh, checking in one on one, talking to them, and again, not just on business, but on personal, how we do it. Typically, stuff we wouldn't normally do, but people need our emotional support right now. Uh, and again, I'm not someone that normally does that, so I recognize that I've had to work on it. So, communication. Number two is really clear expectations. Um, you're not, they can't come and check in with you and show you something and, you know, like they could walk down the hallway. So take your time to set extremely clear expectations uh, of what success looks like, of what great work looks like, of what outcomes you want. 
So that people don't have to guess. Uh, great phrase I learned years ago, ambiguity breeds mediocrity. Uh, and then the other thing, this is a really, this, I'm glad this question came up, is right now is a time as a leader, you have a, a, a really difficult balancing act. Um, people want you to be courageous and decisive. To, you know, to, to make bold bets, to take the tough decisions, to do the hard things, uh, and to have a clear path. At the same time, you have to balance that with transparency, authenticity, and vulnerability. Uh, I don't have all the answers. I got these answers over here. I'm real decisive about this, but over here, I don't know. I'm not sure. I need your help. That's why you're on the team. So as a new leader, you're going to have to, as any leader, you're going to have to balance out where do I get direction and control and set very clear expectations, but how do I do it in a humble, loving way where I'm willing to be vulnerable about some of the stuff I don't know or places I need help. And that's a challenge for all leaders, but especially a, someone who's just stepping into that role. Yeah, and John, it's interesting. I would say that a ton of my coaching right now is focused exactly on that. You know, because I, I generally coach within the C-suite, so the organization is looking towards our leaders saying, do something, show us some leadership, demonstrate something. Um, and then at the same time, though, they're as scared as everyone else. So finding that balance uh, is tricky. So thank you for commenting Good. on it. Well, we only have one more minute left for questions, John. I want to. I, I did want. I wanted to get back to a very early question that Augustin asked. Uh, uh, how do we deal with customers uh, who want to cancel orders due to current circumstances, even though they've got non-refundable deposits? Uh, wow, this is a hard question. So this comes down to your philosophy of business, and uh, it, this is actually a very big idea. Everybody that runs a business or is in a business has a way that they think businesses should run. And some businesses are gonna look at that situation. I've got one client right now saying, how can we work with you? Can we defer payments? Can we give us 50% now and pay us 50% later? Um, or we're, gonna, we're just gonna put a hold on your, your stuff for three months. Other businesses are gonna say, no, I need the cash flow and I gotta keep my business running and I'm gonna have to put them in collection. I've got a contract. Um, now realize, that you will likely lose that customer uh, or might uh, put that, that customer in jeopardy if you demand the money and you enforce the contract. But it is contract. You have every right to do that. It's legal. And if it's between your company and their company, uh, that's a business philosophy leadership answer of, am I gonna protect me and, and do this? Or am I gonna find a way to work? Or am I gonna let some customers, my best customers slip a little bit and maybe only enforce it on the ones that weren't that great anyways, and I wouldn't mind if they went away. But that all comes down to what's your philosophy? Yeah. The only way you know that is sit down and think it through. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great advice. And I'll, I'll just add to that quickly, uh, courageous conversations and vulnerability. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I've seen, I've actually seen some really and heard some great stories from our customers that are sharing what the impact will be to their business and to their people in particular if their customer doesn't pay the bill. So making them understand that if you don't pay your bill, there's a good chance we're gonna have to lay off some people. And, and it's not a feel sorry for me type story, it's just to understand the consequence on a human level and finding out a way to share pain or add more value. Pay your bill, um, but we're gonna add this to it on top or we're gonna offer some complimentary services or whatever, whatever it might be. So yeah, great, great, great advice. You know, one of the is that it, it, there's a lot of good businesses that are being punished for no reason, no fault of their own to them. 
You know, I mean, yeah. I, I work with companies that are great, that are extremely well-run. Uh, we were all talking about one of your clients uh, who's a good friend of mine whose company has just been ravaged by this, and it was a great, it is a great company. I mean, they were in, on fire in Fuego before this happened, and then all of a sudden, you know, it it went away, and it's not there. So it's really hard for a lot of us, a lot of you, you run a good company, you're a good person, you've been doing great, you've got great people, and then all of a sudden, the future of your company is in jeopardy, and absolutely. it's not your fault. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great, great, John. Uh, so we have to wrap up to keep things on time here. I, I want to thank Barbara and John so much for your time today, your insight, your experience. You're both such amazing people uh, and uh, and so, uh, so well-versed and educated in, in this topic and, and others. Uh, there's lots of ways for us to stay connected. So first of all, we absolutely want to get gather as much feedback as we can. We need to keep uh, reinventing these sessions so that they're highly valuable and useful for you and your time. And so when you exit the meeting today, click OK. It will automatically pop up the opportunity for you to provide some feedback. Um, stay connected with us at the email address. Again, send us the questions that we didn't get to at infounleashedresults.com. Uh, we've also gonna, we're gonna make available an organizational leadership audit. So if you wanna actually score yourself and every leader in your entire company, we will make that leadership audit available. We'll put a report together for you. This is complimentary, just as a way to give you a starting point to generate some of these conversations. Uh, even if you're a mid-level manager, uh, this could be a really good way to John's earlier point to start to nudge people in the direction of authentic leadership. Uh, visit John's Prince website. He's got a marvelous newsletter that goes out frequently with all kinds of tips and tools, www.johnsprince.com. Uh, uh, um, and then we've got tons of other things that we've got available for people. We've got peer groups we're putting together, leadership circles uh, as an example. We'll even do some coaching and we'll hop on and do a complimentary one-hour uh, leadership workshop for your very own executive team. And then final, um, my final thoughts, uh, really excited about our episode two next week. So join us at the same time, the same place to see Amber Matt as we talk about relentless adaptation in the time of COVID-19. Amber Mack is becoming a national uh, treasure, a national celebrity. She's on all the major networks. She did a Q&A with, uh, with our prime minister earlier in the week. And she's got some phenomenal stories of how companies have pivoted in the last three weeks to be relevant and start generating revenue now. So that's gonna be a count mix conversation. Uh, very much hope to see uh, everybody there and, and thank you uh, thank you again for your time and attention today. It's a wonderful, uh, wonderful way to spend an hour with both of you and the entire uh, group of attendees. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, John. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Have everybody. a great day. Stay safe.